to the Work Life Flow podcast, where we moms take the reins of our lives, explore our options, question the status quo, and demand more from society. Here we come together to tell our stories and share tears of frustration as well as tears of joy. But most importantly, we come together to inspire you to create a work life integration that works for you. So pour yourself your favorite beverage and come hang out with us. Welcome to Work Life Flow episode 46. In today's episode, my guest Nicole Lupushansky and I explore the world of respectful co-parenting after divorce or during separation and why it is important for the child's overall well-being. In our conversation, we realize that even in ongoing partnerships or marriages, the same friction points can actually arise when two parents have a different view on parenting. We dive into the why we need to learn to step back and let our children and their fathers build and define their own relationships, and how one person can improve an unhealthy co-parenting relationship and create a ripple effect. I also wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to the Work-Life Flow podcast. I have just been notified that we have reached 2,500 downloads and it is not the number that is amazing. It is the feedback that I'm getting, the reviews, because honestly, sometimes it feels a little lonely on the other side of the microphone here. By writing a review, you are supporting this show. I will get a better idea of what you liked about it, which experts to bring in, and It helps other moms who might be in a similar situation as you are find the show and find inspiration in the stories that we share here to really step into and embrace the leader they were meant to be. Now back to the episode. Nicole Lupushansky was raised by a father who was adopted and had the sweetest demeanor. Therefore, he never spoke badly about her mother after divorce. He gave her the freedom to choose what she thought of her mom, and that is a gift she will treasure for the rest of her life. This gift has given her the ability to co-parent with ease, even though the co-parent and her are not on the same page. Nicole is a survivor of domestic violence two times, and for her, a child's well-being is the center of her work and life, whether that child be hers or yours. So join me in welcoming Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for coming on today. Hi, Kirsten. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, the bio was pretty short. Do you want to add anything? I always give my guests the opportunity to add anything that they think they would like to share because sometimes in the bios, it's a bird's eye view of what we do and, and who we are. So please introduce yourself a little deeper. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Okay, so... Yes, I am a co-parenting and divorce coach through my own journey of being in the family court law system for over a decade. I take my wisdom from that experience as well as my coaching certification, and I help co-parents focus on what the child needs. So through my coaching journey, I have come to understand that it is the child that is the most important person in the co-parenting situation. And it is typically the child that will have the most pressure on them from the parental separation. 
And when we can wrap our head around this and use the tools that I provide, it not only increases a happier life for the child, but it also takes a lot of stress off the co-parent, which is really nice. It's a win-win. Yeah, I can imagine that. So a question that comes up for me is, what type of co-parents are you helping? Like, is it the ones that are already aware of their problem? Do they see challenging behavior in their kid? Or is it themselves that are, you know, maybe suffering too much under the, the stress and the riffraff and the pull and push? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that the client that comes to me really sees a ton of behavior. Maybe they will see a little bit of frustration, sadness, and they just know that they want to try to see what they can do to help. I definitely can say that the clients that I work with know that they truly want to be able to have control over themselves. So the two things that connect with a co-parent when they're in a high conflict co-parenting relationship, that those are the co-parents that I typically serve is when it is high conflict. Those co-parents connect with the ideas of when I tell them, number one, do not take what the other co-parent does personally. And number two, let go of the control. As mother, you, Kirsten, can understand what it would be like for a mother to give up the everyday control of their child. We are the ones that carry them in our bodies for nine to 10 months. So we're very attached to them. And instinctively, we feel like it is our job to protect them. It doesn't mean that we feel that somebody else can't take care of them. It's just that we instinctively feel like we do it best. So I help co-parents at this point, really moms, understand that it's okay to give up the control and it's okay to not take it personal. It's really about understanding that who somebody else is, is not because of you. There's a lot of learning here, right? We have to understand that somebody else's behavior really has nothing to do with us. And when we're in a high conflict situation, the parent that is coming to me has been, let's say, a little bit manipulated or traumatized. So they feel like everything that the other co-parent does has to do with them. And once I help them understand that it's not about them and it's just about the child, They learn to forgive the other co-parent. They learn to not judge themselves as well as the other co-parent. So there's forgiveness. There's not judging. There's a lot to it. But definitely, I just want to hone in on those two ideas of not taking it personal and learning to give up the control because that is the hardest part in these co-parenting high conflict relationships. Yeah, I think we have to understand that both parents, they still want the best for their kids, right? They're kind of convinced of what they do and how they do is the best for their child. And I think if we can understand that, then maybe it's easier to take a step back and say, 
okay, what can I do? How can I support my child to not feel the friction of two points of views, of two ways of doing things? Do you help them walk through that too? I do. So oftentimes, like what you said, first of all, is absolutely so beautiful and so true. Of course, each parent is doing the best that they can. Whether you feel that that is the case as a co-parent or not, is not your place to decide. Everybody does the best that they can. What I help the co-parent see is, first of all, you had this child. They came into this world and they're half the mother and half the father. So if you are placing judgment towards one or the other, the child will absorb that about themselves. Of course, all of us parents don't ever want our child to have a lack of confidence in themselves and who they are. So that touches, I think, a little bit deeper and allows co-parents to say, okay, wait a minute, but I don't want my kid to feel bad about themselves. But they will instinctively by your body language, by the way you communicate. Even if you have to fake it in front of the child, I do believe that you should show the utmost respect to the other co-parent and that you should support them as their parent. So for example, with me, I have high conflict situations that used to be loud and now they're quiet because of the way that I have changed my behavior. So there used to be arguing because I would get upset or I would take it personal or I would think that I need to defend myself. Where now I can take a step back and say, no, this has nothing to do with me. And I want to support my children through their eyes. So when they talk about their fathers, I say, yes, they're wonderful people. I compliment them. Or if they say something negative, I could hone in on that and really take advantage of that vulnerability and say, oh yeah, that's just terrible, but I don't. That's the most important time is when you want to support the other parent. And this is all internally absorbed by the child and you're preventing, which we can talk about further if you'd like, but the mental health issues. That is very juicy. (laughs) That is juicy that you said that the kids are 50-50 in their makeup, which means that whatever is negatively commented on is a criticism towards themselves and their identity. And I think this even can happen in households where the parents live together and are not divorced. I've lived situations where that dynamic is there, where, you know, the, maybe it's a cultural background, maybe it's a societal background that that is being criticized by one parent. And I totally can see how that can be damaging. What I heard you say, too, is that you need to develop a lot of self-awareness around who you are and how you function and be able, you know, really address the triggers that you you have lived in your life and letting go of the judgment and, and stepping back and really building a buffer in that situation. Do you have any tools you want to share? Yeah. So one tool that I use is breaking down the attachment styles of the co-parent's childhood. When you are able to understand, there are four, first of all, I'm sorry. 
So there are four attachment styles. And when we can understand what our attachment styles were assumed when we were children, right? How, how we assume them and what we assumed, then we can understand better who we are in a relationship, who we show up to be in a relationship, which is typically that triggered person from our childhood. So for example, if we understand our attachment style and we have love towards ourselves as a child, then we can do the same as an adult. So when we feel triggered, then we can take a step back and say, okay, when the other parent does this, it really bothers me. But why does it bother me so much? Where is this connecting or triggering me inside? And then once you understand that, you love yourself, right? You tell yourself, okay, Nicole, I love you. I'm here for you. And actually, when you love yourself and you're compassionate towards yourself, gives you the ability to be compassionate towards the other parent. You see, the other parent was raised a certain way and is repeating those patterns because of their attachment styles. We are all the same. We all just have been raised by different people and in different cultures. So once we understand how we were raised, and how that plays into our relationships now, we can then have more compassion towards the co-parent as well with the same theories. Yeah. I just, I'll share a little story. Um, Not too long ago, I watched um, a documentary by Dr. Gabo Mate, and he talks about trauma. And if people hear me talk about my family, like how I grew up, I think I hardly ever mention my dad. I always talk about my mom because my dad was very absent. He was an alcoholic. So I tried to push him out of the picture unconsciously. He's still alive. <laughs> he still lives with my mom. But whenever I talk about my house, my home, I talk about my mom. And it just, I noticed when I watched that documentary, that it opened up some ways of forgiveness for me, noticing like the way he talks about Gabamate talks about trauma is opening up basically the ability to see that hurt people hurt people, right? And so I'm like, okay, my dad was absent. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad did a lot of things wrong. But on the other hand, now I, I was I'm looking at him in a way of where was he hurt? You know, he lost his dad when he was a little kid. And so I'm trying to, to reframe, but it just, it is just so recent, um, this understanding. But yeah, it's, it's just interesting. So this was something that I, I wanted to share that doesn't matter how long, far along you are with your, I don't know, self development or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Those moments keep happening, right? Where you have these, these moments of clarity. And you suddenly can forgive. And I'm guessing for your co-parents, it's a similar journey that in the beginning, they might not even see the possibility. And then suddenly, layer by layer, it becomes easier and it becomes, yeah, you know, more, like you said, more compassionate. It's so powerful what you said. That is exactly what I did with my situations to be able to change my behaviors, change my reactions. 
And you are spot on. You could be a co-parenting coach because that's exactly what I do is I help them break down the layers and then they're able to compassionately interact with the co-parent. It becomes this sometimes more quiet. So there's not a lot of noise, which means the arguing back and forth. But think about the effects on the child of that. They can feel that energy and it just makes their life so much easier. Just as your life is probably becoming somewhat easier, knowing like, okay, my father did not intentionally hurt me. He did the best he knew from how he was raised and what he learned. And that's what I always tell the co-parents and their children need to know that their parents did the best they knew how. We don't want our children growing up thinking that our parents are out to hurt us or get us. We want to know that that they did the best they could. And it also, I don't know, but I think it also opens the way for your kids to be self-compassionate, right? To to commit errors and then learn from them and not be, not judge themselves. Like when you can show them that there is growth, that there's always space for growth. And to accept people. I'll have conversations with children that say things about their parents because they're frustrated. But when you come at them, you know, as a leader in their life, whether you're their co-parent or their teacher or their coach, and you direct the story that their parent was doing the best that they could or that they have the best intentions, the child usually raises their shoulders back and stands up a little bit taller, literally, because they feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not bad. My parent isn't bad. Things are good or better than I thought. Yeah. And I think, like you said, <laughs> our, that we're working, we're walking people through the same process of, you know, becoming more self-aware and, and, and looking at, at life from different points of view and from different, you know, I walk my clients through the different personality types, the love languages, because even if you are not divorced, there is still conflict. There is still, you know, it's different people who have to share or who are sharing a home and who are sharing the parenting journey. And like you said, everybody has a different history. So everybody brings the baggage <laughs> with them. And so I think it's pretty similar, honestly, that even in, in relationships where people live together, there are still a lot of very different views. There is still a, a lot of different opinions. And I see that moms often struggle with finding their voice to say what they need and what they're okay with and what not. And they're trying to avoid conflict. They're trying to avoid, well, conflict is already, it sounds like it's escalated, right? But I'm thinking more about they're trying to avoid difficult conversations because they think they hurt the relationship. Whereas I say that you hurt the relationship more if you don't talk about it. When you start being resentful, when you hold it, the grudge, because then it escalates. But yeah, I think in relationships, there's a lot of similarities because it's the same. You can't control what the other person does. You can't, right? You only can control your own behaviors, your own reactions, your own thoughts. That's interesting. I, I would imagine that co-parents refers to anybody that's a, a parent, really, right? Whether it's a bonus parent, 
Yeah, I I think it is. I mean, it's just us figuring out how we are being respectful with each other, I guess. We're all in this together. If we could just hone in on that, instead of looking at the negative, the world would be much better. Yeah. So I always ask my guests also about work-life integration. You as a solo mom, what does that look for you? Is it challenging? How has it changed through COVID? Any tips and tricks or tools that you have for, for my listeners? I have to just be honest and say, when you, when you say, is it challenging? I would just love to sit here and lie and say, oh no, I've just, I've just got it all mapped out and my every day is just perfect. Um, of course, all of our lives are challenging as, as parents. And I think the biggest thing for me, I can't believe I'm saying this <laughs> to the public, but is that I have always been trained in my family that everything has a place and it has to go somewhere. And I just have given that up. And sometimes my home just doesn't look the way that I was raised for it to look. And I mean, is it terrible? No. If somebody comes here, they're, they don't think anything. But I think really letting go of perfection is like so important. We want to be perfect in our business. We want to be perfect as parents. We have so much pressure on us, I think, from society to have certain family systems and raise our children a certain way. And that's why I admire so much of what you do for your work is because what you talked about previously when we had spoken was that you support parents to support their child's needs and you support their children so that they can focus on their strengths. And I think that's just so beautiful. So I would say that back to, you know, being, having a work-life flow is the same way, right? I just have to focus on what I can get done and be okay with that and let the other stuff go and know that if I'm taking small baby steps every day towards my goals, then I'm winning, right? Then I'm doing okay. And I shouldn't beat myself up. And I shouldn't be stressed out about it. One thing that I've learned to do is at night when I'm relaxing, I will say to myself something as small as, okay, you reached out to that business today to see if you could support clients there within their organization. And that, that may be something really small, but I need and you need and we all need to remember the small steps we're taking every day. So I think that that's the most important part. And then just being willing to understand that every day is not going to be a cookie cutter. And that was really hard for me because I'm very routine oriented. I wake up, I make my bed, I do everything in a certain way. And I've learned here in this business of my own that it's just not going to be the case. And sometimes I'm going to get a call from my daughter at the school saying she's sick and needs medicine or needs something. And, and I have to put what I can on hold and, and go take care of that. Or I have a dog that needs, a, you know, there's just things that come in. So I think it's really just being flexible and understanding that things can change. They're fluid. Get back on track. Get done what you can, but move on and just be proud of yourself that you're doing this entrepreneurial thing because it's not easy. 
but it's fun. I hear you. <laughs> I so hear you. It's, it's fun. I mean, it is. I get to meet great people like you that I would have never met. And I feel very fortunate to be surrounded by people that are of the light. And I think that's what's really cool about being a solo you know, entrepreneur is that we get to choose who's in our organization, so to speak. Thank you. Right back at you. I think it's one of my favorite parts, the people that I meet and I connect with, because it takes a certain person, a certain type of person to actually do this. And, and like you said, we are, we're taking risks every day. We're failing. We're getting back up. I think it, it accompanies the personal growth really well. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And flow. I call it work-life flow <laughs> because like you said, it is unpredictable. There is no day alike. And even, even us, we are homeschoolers and we can set our own schedule. But like you said, anybody can get sick at any time or not want to do what we've tried to schedule or, you know, so it's, yeah, it is always interesting. Take it as it comes. <laughs> exactly. Take it as it comes. That's a good one. <laughs> Count your blessings and, you know, if everyone survived the day, it's a win. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to give a last advice to parents who are, really struggling in their co-parenting? I don't know if you have a quick tool or maybe a freebie or maybe anything you can point them towards that can, can help them get on their journey of co-parenting with ease. Um, I would just say right now I have my, can I share my podcast? <laughs> I would say go, go listen to that. I'm, I'm new in the podcast arena, but you can go listen to that and get a feel of what it's like to put your child first. That's the most important thing. The number one thing that I want to leave. What is the name of your podcast? Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, my podcast is Two Homes, One Happy Childhood. I was jumping to what I want parents to know, which is don't wait until you're running to the doctors, grabbing at straws to figure out how to help your child. if you know that your child is showing any signs of needing support, meaning their mental health. In today's day, anxiety, depression, and even worse can consume our children. And so just do the best that you can without putting too much pressure on yourself to get yourself and the child support. Yeah, very important to take proactive steps. Absolutely. Good. So do you want to add where else my audience can find you? You can go to NicoleLupashansky.com where you will also find my pod, a link to my podcast. I will link to all your links that you sent me in the show notes so people can, can find you because I think your website is your last name, right? So that's, that's, as, that's like mine. It's tricky for people to type out. <laughs> so I will make sure to link it in the show notes anyways. And I'm just... So thankful that you had the time to chat with me today and to share your wisdom. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much. Really, it's an honor to connect with you. You always give such good energy and I'm grateful for the works that you're doing out in the world there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Talk to you soon. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Work-Life Flow. As always, you can find all links and websites mentioned in the show notes. Make sure to get your copy of the four must-have checklists for kids so you can sit back and relax while they are getting ready on their own at kerstinkirchsteiger.com. That is www.kerstinkirchsteiger.com. And remember, keep being brave and share your story.